Well, welcome back to the Heartland Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership and the way of Jesus. My name is Clint. And just at the outset, a little bit of housekeeping. If you're listening to this on a podcatcher like Stitcher or Spotify or iTunes, we are on YouTube. You can watch these episodes. So the best way to support us would be to view that, subscribe, and actually leave a comment. That would boost the algorithm and, and help more get, get more eyeballs on it. Um, so I have a special panel with me today to talk about some leadership principles. If you guys wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. Sure, my name's Nicole. My name is Drew. Hi, I'm Dave. And these are all members of Heartland's executive team. Now, if you haven't heard that word before or have questions about what that looks like in the church, uh, that's all the kind of questions we're gonna get to today. So just to kick us off, in your words, what is an executive team and what's its purpose? So the executive team really is the group that's looking at the bigger picture the higher level. So that's an opportunity for us as leaders to get out of the day-to-day and really look at the vision of where we're going and making sure we're getting the traction to get us there. Is that fair to say? What would you guys add to that? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. We even um, build in some regularly scheduled meetings and sort of almost, almost like stop signs to say, okay, go back, double check that big picture, double check uh, the progress you've made towards it. Don't just take for granted that we are moving in the direction we've set a course for in regards to our vision. And and by doing that, hopefully we can um, course correct when we need to and, and also kind of speak to each other and say, oh, I, I think we have lost sight of this and, and not have that rest on one person's shoulders, but across the team do yeah, that I was going to ask about that. Why not have it just the lead pastor? I mean, I think a lot of people would imagine like that's the leader of the organization. Why not just the one man band? He makes the decisions for the vision and vision casting. Why disperse it out onto a team? Well, and we were kind of in that position when I came into this role in July and I wrote it out on pieces of paper because I couldn't figure out a better way to do it. And I had to keep adding pieces of paper, taping these papers together in order to have a wide enough berth to list all of Dave's direct reports. Oh my word. So in our first one-on-one, I brought that to him going, this is a great recipe for burning out your lead pastor. It was um, actually written out in crayon <laughs> right. across sharpies, papers that were- Colored Sharpies. <laughs> yeah, colored Sharpies, but they were, they were like, scotch taped together and it was about this wide. Right. So can you connect the dots for me there on what direct reports have to do with the exec team? Was yeah, sure. So direct there? reports are those um, individuals that we're leading as team leads. So we have direct supervision uh, responsibility for what they're accomplishing on our staff. and working on on our staff team. That's exactly right. So Dave was really carrying the majority of that responsibility. Okay. And out of looking at that um, crayon paper, kind of coming this vision of we really need to build an executive team of lanes that then are led by this team, but the rest of the staff works under. Yeah, and Nicole, as our um, executive director of operations, is that your title? Yeah, yes. (laughs) (laughs) She really brought this structure to us because what I would add about the exec team was like, she noticed that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was eventually going to burn out or I start dropping stuff, which I already was dropping things. And so in a, in a church that's rapidly growing, you probably would have just the lead pastor doing all these things. And that's why Nicole was such a key piece to this, 
was that she brought management experience in from like the real world, the business world, and then helped us get organized. The, the other part that I would <laughs> add to like what is the exec team, which I think is important, is that we work with the servant leader team so that we have um, you know, the servant leader team giving us the governance for big picture, where the church should go, and then we take that and kind of live it out in the day to day by leading other leaders on our staff team. Um, and that's, that's something that I think gets all three of us excited, is to influence and lead leaders of leaders. So yeah, I wanted to ask about that. Is, is an executive team structure something you would find in the business world fairly often? And then why, why bring that to the church? I can imagine someone kind of wondering like, huh, uh, seems like you guys are getting a little bit corporate up in here. Like this looks like a business, but shouldn't the church be different? And so what's the rationale for like co-opting the model from the secular world and the business world and just kind of putting it onto the church? And any, any thoughts on that? You look like you're ready to yeah, say something. No, I, I guess I have some thoughts on that. I am someone who can be wary of adopting too many practices, so to speak, from the business world or from the corporate world into the church. I think there are some clear things in Scripture that point us to, and this is how it is in the world, it is not to be that way amongst you. But one thing that I think is really helpful about some of the tools we find in the corporate world is uh, just because you are a pastor or you're a leader within a the church, yes, you have the Holy Spirit empowering you and giving you decision-making abilities, but uh, and, and wisdom and guidance, but but you still are a human who has a limited amount of hours in the day and a limited amount of uh, chances to educate yourself in different um, expertises and, and just different resources and skill sets. And so I think some of what we see in the business world is just a recognition of if this is bottlenecked in in one person or um, if we don't get smart about systematizing some of these things and adopting some tools, we're just not going to be as effective as we can be. And I think it's foolish for us as followers of Jesus to say, well, yeah, those limitations that affect folks who aren't working for the church, yeah, they don't creep into here in the church. And so I think there's times where we look around and we say, oh, that tool is actually going to help us um, be more effective at doing what God has called us to do. So that's where my mind goes a little bit on that topic. Yeah, I think organizationally, I see tons of examples of it in Scripture. Back in the Old Testament, was it, was it Moses who yeah. was overwhelmed by yep. the number of cases that he had to judge over? And somebody said, you got to learn to delegate this. Was it Jethro, I think, came yeah, to him? And yeah, said, yeah, yeah, his father-in-law. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, you come to the New Testament, and you've got in the book of Acts when certain people were being um, forgotten about. And there was, a, there was an example in the book of Acts where we need to make sure that we organize this in such a way that everybody gets taken care of. And is, you know, even in Jesus' life, when he was feeding mm -hmm. the 5,000, he said, okay, I want you to have them sit down in groups of a certain number. I want each disciple to go take care. So I look at this as actually a, a biblical way to take care of people. And um, I think, it's, I think mm -hmm. it's awesome that Nicole brings that business experience that can help sharpen that. And one of the things I think that we've done that's really helped us is that Nicole and I sit, I was actually sitting with him first, then Nicole jumped in. We sit with a guy who's an executive coach. His name's Jim. Um, he's from the Vistage Group. He coaches business leaders, CEOs all throughout our region, and he's just started in the nonprofit sector. And so Nicole and I sit with him about every other month or yeah, so. That's about right. And we, um, man, we just walk away with like, oh, 
So this is not just in the church. These are organizational growth changes that happen in the real business world as well. And we actually walk away, I think, encouraged um, with some new tips on, on how we can do things and with the mind that this is still the church. This is a spiritual venture, um, very different from the business world. We always want to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And sometimes the decisions we make might like smack in the face of a business decision because we sense the Holy Spirit leading us mm -hmm. that way. You mentioned the idea of uh, this is how we can better love people or help people use that phrase. And I'm wondering, what is it about the executive team that's doing that at all? Like we started talking about like casting vision, but what do you mean it's caring for people? So we would do that through um, our leaders. And what we believe is like, what I believe is that in the church, the plurality of leadership is super important. Everything shouldn't just run through one guy. You know, no matter what size the church is, that person should be accountable to a team. They should be praying together. And, and I've seen a lot of abuses of that. And so when we, as a team, work together with our servant leader team for the good of the church, for the good of our community, um, let me give you an example. I mean, a practical example. So we had this idea in our minds, I would say put there by the Holy Spirit, that we'd like to give away our year-end offering last year. Um, we took it to our, our servant leader team that we're accountable to, uh, prayed over it. They said, well, let's, let's try it. And God showed up in some amazing ways, right? We were able to give away like $180,000, and yet God still supplied for our budget. Well, that decision to help um, a certain area in our, in our community mm -hmm. came from this team and our servant leader teams. That's one way that we were able to direct the vision to help real people. So is there something about the size of the executive team that is like a sweet spot or the secret sauce? So I'm just wondering, can, can the team grow? Like right now there's three, can it be four or five or six? Because I would imagine that all of a sudden it devalues the kind of tight-knit decision-making ability of a smaller group. So I'm just wondering, as the organization grows, would you sooner add almost like we laden this word negatively, but a layer of middle management rather than just proliferate the executive team? Will it always be just kind of this tight-knit, small group at the top? Well, I think we'll be very careful and very protective, first of all, and go very slow with these three because we're just starting off. But like what Nicole has also instituted, I don't know if we want to just speak for a bit about our management team. Maybe that's another podcast, but... Um, sure, yeah. So we actually already have kind of that middle layer that you're referencing. So those are our ministry leaders, um, those that are themselves leading teams. So um, in our structure, we look at LMA, who has um, leadership management and accountability responsibilities mm over other team members, and those folks then are invited into this uh, team we meet every couple of weeks looking at leadership and management, because many of us may be trained uh, theologically and have had experience within a church, but leading staff um, is new, and so, so we're building mm -hmm. um, opportunities to kind of equip and empower those, those leaders as well. And looking at even the executive team structure, I would say there's, there's probably one more seat that we have in that structure that Dave is sitting in right now. So, so we actually already have the structure set for growing that team, but as the organization, the church continues to grow if necessary, probably more of that growth would come through that middle management. Great, team. so that's a good segue to this next 
point I want to discuss, and that's just in your role at, on the executive team, how do you structure an organization? Because, and I kind of know a little bit of the lingo that we use around here, but I hear you referencing like there's a seat on the bus that currently is being filled by Dave. He's a lead pastor, but also maybe filling the seat of the executive pastor of ministries or something. It's a little bit of an insider language, isn't it? And yeah. We, we got that from this system that Jim, the executive coach, helped us with called EOS, or the Entrepreneurial Operating System. Wow, out what of a mouthful. That, yeah, out of <laughs> that we came up with, uh, in, that, in that book or that system, is something called a, a vision traction organizer that helps you create accountability in your organization, helps you manage and lead LMA that Nicole just mentioned more effectively. Uh, and, and that structure has been really helpful, and there's been times where we've had to go, ah, that structure's not working here. But how that plays out as far as seats on the bus, which is really, really great, Can I think. Can you just explain that metaphor real quick? What, what, yeah. Why I use that phrase? What is seats on the bus? Yeah. yeah. What's the bus? What's the bus? Someone else say that. I was going to say <laughs> something about how we determine what those seats are, but someone else okay. just defines before, seats Before on the bus we jump before. into yeah, exploring yeah. the metaphor, just what does that mean at all? Sure. Yeah. So looking at uh, the staff team and the organization, what are the needs? What are the roles that need filled? Maybe not driven by the people that are here already, but what is the need of the organization or the church? And then filling those seats on the bus that have already been defined by the folks who are on the bus. So I almost think of like, just just came to me as you were talking you know when i think of a bus i think of like a school bus I but i almost feel like what a better metaphor is is like if we are a traveling band and we're on the touring bus and yeah, so charter greyhound bus at, I so, like this even at some point at some point we realize oh wow we're getting a lot of people to come out we can't just have uh, this staff's or this this bass player's uh, husband running the ticket table. We need someone who really knows how to balance these books, to handle these things, to record it. Now we need to find a, someone to fill that seat on the bus, or we're not going to be as effective as possible. So for us as a church, when we look at that VTO, our vision traction organizer, we look and we say, okay, well, where are we finding we need to get some traction towards that that goal or where we see our church headed? And, and what's stopping us? Okay, that's the need. And so that's a seat on the bus that needs to be filled. So again, rather than just allowing that to kind of be raised on feel, oh, this person is overwhelmed with their job. Oh, someone said it would be great if you hire this kind of person, Dave. Instead, we look at what's that vision and we allow that to set um, kind of what those seats well, are. And can, can we just contrast that with maybe another popular strategy out there of how do you phrase it? Um, well, I was just going to do that. I was gonna okay. Say some churches, people first. Right. Some churches seat. actually hire their their relatives. Right. You know. Okay. This is my this, the lead pastor's daughter, and she's going to make a good campus pastor, and so let's hire her. And this is the lead pastor's wife, and let's hire her for this. And this is and pretty soon it's just one big family, and it's the the family driving it rather than the vision that Drew just mentioned that's driving the organization forward. And mm -hmm. I I think especially with an organization where you're talking like millions of dollars that people give every year, like we need to be good stewards of that. We need to have accountability and be able to give reports on that. And um, like we do that every year at our State of the Church address, you know, at the end of January, a large part of that comes out of this team and our servant leader team. Um, every one of our staff, every one of our team members is responsible for a number and that's been a big part of EOS. You should be able to ask any person on our team, hey, what's your number? And right now the number uh, uh, kind of correlates to relational ministry. 
Uh, we just felt like, especially during a time uh, of a pandemic that we recently have been going through, um, it's good for us to re-engage with relational ministry mm. and actually get incarnational, people on people, rather than just you know huddled away in our offices talking about ministry. Yeah. So, yeah, numbers so, are important. So, Nicole, I want to jump back to a point you were making about how you um, identify these seats, and I can imagine a temptation being kind of getting carried away with it, like, oh, well, there's this knee, we have this seat, and this seat, and this seat, and by the end of it, you might have a bunch of empty seats, and, like, how, how do you decide when to say, like, well, that's a vacant seat, and we want to hire for it. How do, does that have to do with budget, and, like, how would you go about structuring your bus? Yeah, so there's best practices that I'm still learning about mm. as far as church structure and what that looks like, but also um, looking at that vision, like Drew was saying, a big part of that for us is equipping leaders. So um, one example would be our SEND intern and residency program. We currently don't have a SEND director for that program. I'm sitting in that seat, mm -hmm. um, but that is a seat that has been defined because based on the vision, that is a, a role that we need filled on our bus. Mm -hmm. So does that answer your question? Yeah, kind of, or another way of phrasing it is when you're designing the organizational mm -hmm. chart or structure, yeah. um, how, how far into the future yeah. do you look to do that? Do you just kind of like, we have this stuff right here, right now, or am I looking, five, eight, ten years down the road, because they're ten years from now, God willing, there'd be a whole bunch of other seats on this growing organization. So we do, within the tools that we've kind of inherited and adopted through EOS, uh, regularly take both a year look, a three-year look, I think we might take a five-year look as well. There's a ten. And there's actually, a ten. Yeah. You know, the ten is, yeah, the ten's, okay, so I've made up five. Now, but who can see ten years? Right. It is on there. But we're revisiting, okay. we're revisiting it often, because yeah. based on it is kind of that Holy Spirit variable based on what the Spirit's doing. We may at some point need to say, well, we, we, we thought this was the clear path forward. There's actually a door the Spirit is opening up, and, and we need to pay attention to that. But you did ask, Clint, about, you know, how does, how does uh, we choose some of these things? And absolutely, I think budget does play a part in that. And so how that looks practically at times is there are times where Nicole brings uh, to our executive team and says, here's where some of the numbers are looking. We see that there are three different seats that we'd really like to fill, we cannot be good stewards and fill all three of those seats. And that is, again, where we enter into that discerning process. We listen to each other. We have to practice some give and take because uh, we might not always agree initially on, on what we feel is best and our servant leaders as well speaking into that. Yeah, just to be, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, just to be really clear, um, just real practically, every Monday we gather from 9.30 to 11.30 we pray together, we try to listen to the Spirit, we listen to each other, we have our vision traction organizer right in front of us. So we are looking at that one-year plan, that, that three-year plan, and, and once in a while we'll look at the 10-year plan, right? And then the pieces, the, um, like the, the roadblocks that we might be facing, we, that leads and guides our discussion. And mm -hmm. I, I think that's really important, you know? And, and as we're talking and trying to make decisions, uh, we don't always agree. And I think that's super healthy. Like we've had, we've had tears, we've had arguments, um, not, not yelling arguments, but just like, okay, no, like we need to work this one through and figure out where God is. And so ultimately we have to lay down our egos, all three of us, and we have to discern what the Holy Spirit's saying to the church here. And um, ultimately I think that the currency that we operate with, Clint, is trust. 
If we don't have trust for one another, it'll, it'll never work. Now, Drew, you brought up a term that some folks newer to Heartland or listening to this may not have heard, a servant leader. And Dave, you mentioned it earlier too. And maybe for the long-standing members, they're like, okay, wait, I thought there was, I think I voted for people to become a servant leader, and I thought they were like leading or running the church, so like we're congregation-led to an extent, like it's a representative republic of sorts, and they are making some decisions that are important. But I haven't heard, I only heard that a couple of times. So like what, what's the relationship between this executive team and the servant leader team? Yeah, so good question. And as, as an organization grows, it changes. So I'll just give you a little history. When Terry uh, Holly first started Heartland, he worked with an advisory team, much like Drew worked with when he started over at Williams on the Lake. And these were people from our congregation who would help make decisions, give some wisdom, direction. The church gets launched, and I think that advisory team then, at least here at Heartland, turned into a servant leader team or uh, you might say like volunteers from the church who are elders and deacons leading the church forward mm. spiritually. Um, I get here in 2012, the church starts growing. It's almost like we're a teenage church and we're like having to respond to all these things, right? Um, we don't have HR policies. We don't have payroll stuff. And it's like, wow, we're scrambling, right? Uh, so some of those servant leaders stepped into those roles. They functioned, they brought their business acumen into that meeting did a really great job. Well, now that I would say we're moving into young adulthood as a church, um, God's brought us Nicole. And she's been able to take on a lot of those things from her experience and expertise in the business world. And so now even the role of servant leader is changing. We have a, um, a retreat coming up very soon where we're going to talk about what does that look like. And um, we want those people on our servant leader team to function in the, in the realm of like what deacons would in the, in the Bible. We want them to um, love and serve the church, to hold me accountable as the lead pastor or whoever sits in the lead pastor's seat someday. There needs to be some accountability there and encouragement. And then they will also be um, prayerfully discerning where the church should go. The vision, if you will. Yeah, the vision. Like we'll, we'll work together with them. Um, it works a little bit that way even on our finance team. Nicole um, instituted a finance team. So we have a member of our servant leader team that functions on the finance team with Nicole, myself, a couple other volunteers in the church to try to make good financial decisions going forward. So it's a very collaborative experience overall. And I also think, you know, you just touched on something that's helpful. You know, as we talk about that together, uh, we, we bring some very different perspectives. And so, um, you know, Nicole and Dave, as they sit in those servant leader meetings, they bring the perspective of someone who works within the church, you know, every week. Good point. In and out. And you see Which our some, servant leaders do not. Right. And you yeah. see some things when you're that close to the work yep. that you wouldn't see otherwise. But also, our servant leaders are our volunteers. They're men and women who worship here with their families. Serve uh, here. They are not being paid nope. for their services, you bring a little different perspective that someone who works for the church uh, and in the church may not see. And so I think it would be, frankly, really uh, foolish if we didn't have both of those perspectives informing these vision conversations because mm -hmm. they're both so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, we have people on our servant leader team that also, and our finance team, who have the history of Heartland, even dating back way before myself. 
And that helps us make decisions that we hope are wise going forward. That's right. Well, and even tying it into the VTO that we were talking about, that servant leader team, what we've been talking about is that three-year plan is really where they're focused. Those mm. broad categories where we're looking at maybe this year and that they help us kind of keep our head up out of the weeds and directing some of that vision. Yeah. And I think it's important to say too, you know, like as an executive team, we don't, like we don't, we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We don't always get it right. This isn't like a perfectly well-oiled machine. We're still learning each other. I think that's why I said I'd be protective of this team, at least for a time yet, because I think we're still bonding and learning what that means. Um, and just maybe as a, a closing um, set of discussion questions here, we brought up um, how the executive team helps care for the staff in various ways. And I'm just kind of wondering, what are some of the nuances of attending to a church employee versus someone that works in the business world or secular world again, whatever we want to call it, the marketplace. Um, is there something, are there unique challenges that you face as a team lead of someone who works at a church versus somewhere else? Well, one of the things that I've um, been learning as I transition into this role with having the corporate experiences, it's not all about getting the work done. Um, that's more what I'm used to. It's more what I'm wired for, honestly. But something that we say, you've maybe heard us say, here's the most valuable thing we have to offer anyone is our own thriving relationship with Jesus. And so as we're meeting with um, our teams, that's where we start. Like, how are you doing? How are you doing in your walk with Jesus? How's your marriage? And sometimes that takes the whole meeting. And so then there's not a whole lot of stuff, the work getting done, and but well, that is the work getting done. Exactly, yeah, I was going to kind of poke on that, just the idea of what is the work, because I think what I was trying to get at, too, with the question is working at a church combines these different areas of life that don't always seem to go together. If, like if I were to work at Chipotle, it's not obvious that my spiritual life and my community is all wrapped up into that. I might view that more as just, I'm job, I'm clocking in, I'm making some burritos, and I'm out. But this is like, my family attends here, this is my place of worship, my community, um, yeah, and, and my and professional. You know, life. what we try to talk a lot about is how it's people before programs. Um, Nicole alluded to this, but just making sure we treat people as human beings made in the image of God. So I'm just going to use you as an example, Clint. You know, Clint's on our staff team. Um, his wife, his children, his family attends here. Um, I'm Clint's boss, but I'm also, I'm also Clint's pastor. Mm -hmm. uh, so sometimes I have to take the, the boss hat off and just say, Clint, I just want to talk about you. Like, how are you doing? How's your marriage? And then there's times, uh, and this is where it gets really difficult, where if I had to, to uh, reprimand Clint or let Clint go, it's not just that, I'm, and I'm not teasing this yeah, yeah, for yeah. anything, okay, just to sure, be really yeah. clear, but like, <sighs> it, it, it's okay. not just that Clint is going to be fired. It's that in some ways now, depending on how that's handled, his entire family may have just lost their place of worship. Whereas if like you're fired from Chipotle, well, you go to Hotheads you know, somewhere and get a yeah. burrito from somewhere else. But you can't always do that in the church, and it's, it's very hurtful. It's very difficult to navigate that. I've made lots of mistakes that way through my 30 years of ministry. But you, you try to let the, the people be the thing that drives you, mm. not just the growth or the size of the church. Mm. The other thing that I think is different um, is, is how we care for staff is, um, you know, I think about some of my colleagues who do work in engineering or some of these other fields, and they've got managers. 
you know, when you go in and you talk to your manager, you know, where, where do you see this going? What's your plan for me? The manager dictates that. The organization has a need here. You might be a good fit for this. Or if your employment's going to continue here, uh, you know, this department is coming to an end. If you don't brush up on these skills, there's not, and that's it. There's, you know, what's a little different is, um, yes, we're looking at this vision traction organizer. We're looking at this one-year plan, this three-year plan, but there's also what's the spirit doing? And it could be that a win in caring for a staff member is shepherding them as they listen to the Holy Spirit working in their lives. Heartland saying, you're an incredible leader of leaders in this ministry area you serve in, but oh wow, as we pay attention to what the Spirit's doing, uh, the Spirit's actually calling you to something that you don't have the opportunity to do here and, and caring and loving in such a way that what the Spirit wants, what Jesus wants, is more important than what we might want for Heartland, and that's a real tension that I think in our roles here in the church world, um, we have to walk in and, and, and be very careful in that you maybe don't in another setting. You have to want what's best for the employee first, even if that means that they may not stay on your staff team, that God may be leading them elsewhere. For instance, get a real, real personal example, um, I could have manipulated my son Tyler, who hopefully we're going to send as our first global partner out there, Tyler and Rachel. No, no, Tyler, like I, we need you here. We need you on our staff team. We need a, a missional person to be in charge of things. But God, you could just tell, like God's calling him out, calling him somewhere. And so if you really want what's best for your team, you put that first. You mm. try to le- help them listen to what God is saying. And, and you're going to lose quote-unquote, some good people, Mm -hmm. but you're going to send them out into the kingdom, which is so much bigger than Heartland, right? And that's, I think that's our job, is uh, the constant acquisition of new talent, um, proactively going after people, like you mentioned, Nicole, before, through our SEND program, our interns and residents, finding, um, I just had a conversation yesterday with a person who's in the business world, kind of thinking about what would church life look like if I worked vocationally in a church. He had a lot of questions about that. We have a partnership with um, Sioux Falls Seminary, you know, where you could actually do training right here um, while you're doing your job or, or whatever and get theological training. So I think, I hope what we're doing is setting our staff team for upward growth into whatever God's calling them into. Well, and that difference, the question that you asked, I think, was working for a church versus in corporate. And one of the things that I'm experiencing and learning is even sitting on this team, having sat on other executive teams, what it looks like to lead at this level while discerning what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I've just appreciated that from you guys and learning from you and just taking that time to listen and discern. And we've, we've done some major pivots based on what we think the Spirit is doing. And it hasn't always been easy, um, but that's something that I'm learning in my leadership is, is that starts with this team. Yeah, the, the thing that I get really excited about when I think about our executive team and um, some of how we're trying to, to structure Heartland right now is I think the fruit of if we get this thing right is humility. And so hmm. what I mean by that is when we come to that team, you know, Dave is the lead pastor. Dave could have said, no, Nicole, I see what you're doing with the executive team. It's going to lead to me having less power. It's going to lead to me being frustrated sometimes in my decisions or, or having to listen and slow down in a way that is going to keep me from doing what I want. And, and yet in submitting to each other, which is really what we practice doing every Monday, submitting to each other and to the Holy Spirit, like we're kind of signing up for frustration. 
we are kind of signing up for tears and anger sometimes because can't you just see this? Can't you see what I see that could be? Um, but I think as we do that and as we do it together, it really helps us recognize that like it is in our church. We are not in control. A church that's led by the best their executive team can do and not by the executive team consistently laying down and saying, like, we need to see what the Spirit would do is not going to be a healthy church. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to fail. And sometimes we're going to be really humbled when we don't want to be humbled. Uh, But if you're not signing up for that, I don't think you're going to be where God wants you to go as a church and as people. And I think, you know, not to get too theological, but like if we really believe in the gospel— there's a power in downward mobility and letting go of our egos and sharing power with others, right? Um, that leads to true life. It really does. That's the whole story of the gospel. So we try to practice that every day. I almost wonder, like we started off, um, how can the church learn from the business world? But as we're wrapping up, I'm, I'm just kind of feeling like, oh, I wonder if some of this stuff that we're talking about is something the business world can learn how the church world does things in pastoring and caring for staff. And I wonder if just other business leaders that are watching uh, would find that helpful to think about how can I care for the whole person that's coming into my office rather than just this little machine person that does little tasks. That's really good, Clint. I, I appreciate that. And I think, you know, Jim, our executive coach, I think we have learned from each other. He's even shared some things. And when it's working well, um, that's, that's to everybody's advantage, right? And, and even our community's advantage as the church and, and the business world serves our community together. Yeah, I just finished a really good book, good, and it's good enough to mention on this podcast, yeah. wow. um, called Ready or Not, uh, Kingdom Innovation for a Brave New World. And uh, it's, it, it's written for, really for followers of Jesus, but not just for those who work in the church world. Um, a ton of the examples in the book are out of the business world, and two things really stand out to me as far as uh, maybe things we've learned as an executive team or you learn serving the church that would also be really helpful in the business world. Um, first, you know, in our scriptures, we see that, like, the church is meant to involve the equipping of the people there to use their gifts, to use their passions, to listen to the Spirit, and to contribute. It's not meant to be this top-down thing. It is giving away. It's allowing others to step in. And one of the lessons I learned through that book is many of the organizations that are most vibrant long-term find ways to extend to even those, uh, even examples of the janitor, uh, getting a chance to, hey, anyone who has an idea, mm. you have the opportunity to submit it. Now, it doesn't like mean we're going to do them doesn't. all. But you, we invite you to think about our mission and to contribute and some really wonderful anecdotes of like companies that have benefited by that. The other one is, I think working for a church, I've learned if we're going to follow the Holy Spirit, we can't be averse to change because the Spirit gets to set the tone and gets to shake things up. And um, there, that will probably involve some change. And so likewise, uh, reading through this book, Many of the like incredible, Sears is a great example, Sears Robot, Robot Company, many of the great companies of yesteryear that have declined, um, one of the things they look at as they study is they got too locked into this is what we do and this is who we are and stopped mm-hmm. asking the questions that in the beginning made them so successful by looking around at the world around them and saying what needs aren't being met, what's not taking place. I think the spirit compels us to do that um, and I think that's relevant as a business leader as well, but that's yeah. one that I see. You've got to be 
willing to change with the times. Maybe we can even link to some of those resources we mentioned in the show notes, and if people want to pick it up, that would be you know it'd be neat to read yeah. that and, and come ask us questions. We'd love to interact with you about like what we do. We'd love to learn more. I'm sure there's business leaders in our church that we could learn a lot more from. I'm always loving to go lunches and breakfasts and try to pick up uh, as many tips as we can and share that with one another. So it's, yeah, I appreciate you asking all yeah. about this. Really good, guys. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Heartland Leadership Podcast. Uh, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a great way to stay on top of uh, all the fresh episodes coming out. And a little challenge I'm going to give to you. Pick a friend this week to send a link to the episode that you think would find this valuable. That would just go a long way to helping us out. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.